How's 9.30 doing this morning? Let me hear where you're at. All right. Come on, Caleb, out front here, bro. Join me, like, front of the table. You can just, like, we can just, we can be out front. No, no, too far. Too far front. Um, I want you to welcome Caleb to the stage this morning. Caleb's going to share a little bit about his experience in groups. Uh, This is our Resonate Groups launch Sunday. And, man, I know you had an incredible experience in your group. And it's kind of cool in that you guys... Uh, came to church, came to Resonate brand new in the last year. So why don't you just tell us a little bit of the story of how you and your wife uh, came to Resonate and got connected into a group. Absolutely. Uh, we came because our pastor is the best looking in the city. I'm just, uh-huh. I'm just, but he is awesome looking. Um, no, um, my amazing wife, Nellie, right there, uh, her and I, we came uh, last July on Canada Day. Um, we were invited by some really, really good friends, the Kendricks. Um, they're amazing people. And, uh, yeah, we just, we, we came here and we knew kind of from the moment we were here, we're like, this is home, uh, just super welcomed here. Um, and then from there, we basically got connected uh, two ways. Number one was kind of through Next Steps. Um, we kind of went through that, got on Dream Team, uh, started serving, and we're just super encouraged by the people that just kind of rallied around us, lifted our heads, and uh, pointed us in the direction of our God-given calling. And then, of course, group. Um, We were lucky enough to kind of jump in right when group launch happened. So if you're sitting here today, you are super lucky to be here because uh, after the service, it's going to be unreal. So, yeah, it was awesome. We got connected with that. Now, uh, some of these questions I gave you in advance, but I'm also just going to shoot you some stuff that I didn't shoot you in advance because I feel like you just handled that first one like with with such ease. I want to throw you off a little bit. I remember when you first came, and I remember the first time we met. I don't know if it was your first Sunday, or it was early on. I remember that. And I, I, you remember that conversation we had, the first conversation? In the, yeah, in the lobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said, like, yeah, I'm not sure if we're actually going to get connected in here, uh, because we might be going to Australia in the next year. And you remember that? I do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And so I remember uh, with, I didn't know you from anything and, and kind of was like risking the rest of our friendship on this. But I was like, can I just challenge you for a second? I remember I said that and I said, hey man, um, would you ever consider wasting a year of your life or something like that? And, and you were like, no man, I wouldn't. And, and you went ahead and like right away dove right in. We're talking like you're less than six months into this thing. And you're already, I mean, a part of the family, a part of what's going on here. You're on the platform, for goodness sakes, bro. You thought a year might be too short to get involved, and you're on the platform on a Sunday morning. So I just want to encourage anyone that, that maybe that's a bit of your story. It's like, I just don't know if I'm in the season right now to do it. I, well, can I challenge you this morning? <laughs> uh, I, I believe that even if you're in a season like that, there is a place for you in 2019 that will grow your faith in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. This is come Caleb's on. interview, not mine. I need to finish up my little... My little uh, come on. Come on. Now, second question for you. What we've been asking people, have been saying, like, what's been life-changing about group? But I want to change it up a little bit. What would you say, like, was a bit unique or unseen or that you didn't see coming as part of being in a group? Yeah, absolutely. I love that question. It's awesome. Um, it's a good question. Really good question. He must yep. have thought of it. <laughs> um, no, what I... What I 
found very unique and uh, which was such a blessing in, in Nelly in, in our marriage. Mm. Like we're part of a couples group. And uh, I just love the fact that we went there in the conversations. Like I, I'm sure all of us have went out to like a dinner, been part of a group where it's just like everybody puts on the mask and you're like, how you doing, brother? Really good, brother. I'm doing yeah. great, brother. How about you, brother? Yeah, it's yeah. like... I'm just I've like, never been in that group, but yeah. I have. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. And I'm, obviously, there's nothing wrong with like superficial conversations. We have them all the time, right. work, whatever. Right. But it was just something special about joining this group and knowing that we could take off the mask That's and so kind of like man. let the walls down. And it wasn't like every single moment was therapy. We're sitting there right. and just spilling our guts. That's helpful. Yeah. yeah. So don't be intimidated by that. But I just think everybody needs a safe place where you yeah. can just be raw and have people speak into your life and encourage you and say, hey, I know that that's hard. I'm going to pray for you. That's so good, bro. And uh, not leave you by yourself. So, so good. It's awesome. You know, I think it's so important that you hear leadership in our church say, you decide where safety is in your life. Like, I'm not, you know, we're not here to say our group is safe enough that you should just show up and share the whole entirety of your life. No, you get to decide where safety is in your life. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create an atmosphere where you could get to know someone well enough that eventually you reach that place where, as Caleb talked about, you feel that sense of safety, and you could share that thing. No one is saying that you got to show up to your small group on week number one and let it all out. No one, no, I don't know your story, and I don't know your journey, and I don't know what the pain has looked like in your life. I, I, none of us do. The whole point of the group is to get, the whole point of the group is to get you around people enough that eventually, maybe a week from now, maybe six months from now, maybe a couple years from now, you would have the safety you need to let someone behind the mask. Amen. Come on, brother. Amen. Yeah, brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, brother. Um, now, the last question I want to ask you, this is Groups Launch Sunday, so, um, and I I've heard that you sell a lot of cars uh, at Westwood Honda. If you need them, look them up. Uh, so you're a salesman, and so I wanted to put you up here with a microphone in your hand and just unleash you on this crowd. Why? I don't think they're ready for that. They okay. I don't, they might not be. Should we just save it for the 1115? No, we got to do it. Let's do it. I Tell them why they should join a group, my man. Well, today only, only, yes. only. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, man, did you not see that lobby out there? It was unreal. Yeah. Um, Cars and I, are flying off the lot. It, they're just Jesus flying off the lot. It's unreal. Westwood Honda. Hashtag. No, I'm kidding. But um, no, I would just say, um, I just remember growing up and... I don't know about you, but I've heard like so many hip hop or love songs where it's just like, baby, it's just us against the world. Or it's just like, even though there's a song that's out right now, it's like, it's just him and I. And I'm like, what horrible advice. Because like, the reality is, if it's just you and yourself or your significant other, you're going to fall flat on your face. That's Come just on, the bro. Truth. Preach. Um, and I just think like, the Bible is so clear that when you walk yeah. with the wise, you become wise. Yeah. And like, good, you bro. can look into, yeah, science, sociology, whatever it is, we are not meant to do life alone. Come on. So I would just like, encourage you and also challenge Woo. you this morning, man, let's get into a group because you never know what's on the other side of that. And, uh, I promise you, it's, it's blessed our marriage so, so much and blessed so my life good, personally. Man. And uh, who knows? You could be up here next season. Come on, man. Can we give it up for Kayla? That was so great. Love you, dude. Great job, man. I'll buy the CRV. <laughs> Fully loaded. Make it a pilot. Come on. Glory to God. Rach isn't here. We're buying cars in church. Uh, this is week number three of Hey DJ. And if I've not met you before, my name is Shane. And it really is an honor to have you with us here in church this morning. As I mentioned, my wife Rachel is not here. Uh, we continue to battle the plague in our home, my goodness. So con please continue to pray for us. Last night, 
Uh, I was up again with, with our child who's been uh, on and off again fevered for nine days, and uh, thankfully the doctors have been monitoring very closely, and she's doing well, and we're going to get through it, but uh, we thank you for your prayers, and uh, uh, man, it, is, it has been a little bit of a crazy chaotic week in the Johnston household, but I'm excited to preach this morning because I feel in the midst of this, I, I woke up in the middle of the night one night in the middle of all the chaos that was going on, I pulled up my iPhone and I started to write down some thoughts that the Holy Spirit had been giving to me, and I really believe that there's a message from God for our church this morning, and so let's dial in to hear from God's Word. We're in this series called Hey DJ, and it's a significant series for us. Uh, number one, because I think it's awesome to have DJs in worship. That's, the, that's significant. That's a big deal. Come on. But I also believe it's very important in the context and the content of this series, which is that every one of us has a soundtrack of thoughts that's going on in our minds. And that soundtrack, in large part, stays the same uh, over long periods of time, whether month to month, really year to year. In fact, for a lot of us, throughout our whole entire lives. But I think for every one of us, there is some element of that soundtrack of thinking that doesn't come from God and isn't leading us into the full life that God has for us. And so we started 2019 by saying that we believe God is speaking to us as a church and saying, come on, let's change the track. Let's get some new thoughts and new thinking that are going to lead you into my plans and my purposes for your life. And through the first two weeks of the series, we've seen that the Bible is actually full of scriptures that talk about our thinking. And I want to read our theme verse from this series together out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In fact, I want you to read this with me. Come on, let's all say it together. It says this, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Come on, let's do that together one more time. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. One more time, just say every thought. Too often we entertain any thought at any time in our minds. And the Bible is saying that we actually need to have a filter on our thinking that isn't just what thought pops up and what thought wants to come along, but actually <coughs> we understand that our thinking is taking us somewhere. Our lives are being affected and directed by the thoughts we're thinking. I've heard it it's said by, uh, by a pastor this way before, that your thoughts are like trains. They're taking you somewhere. And so I believe the Bible is instructing us throughout this series, what are God's thoughts and where are, are they leading us? And as I said uh, in weeks number one, that, that God's love casts out fear. And one of the soundtracks that plays so often in our minds is, is fear. And fear is not from God, not part of the soundtrack he wants constantly in your mind. And God's love comes and overcomes fear. And then in week number two, we talked about decluttering our minds. Now today I want to talk about another category of thinking that really wants to be a part of the narrative and the soundtrack of our minds. But I believe if we're going to thrive in our faith and in our lives, not just kind of survive, I believe that we need to learn not only how to begin to process these thoughts, but begin to move through them into faith. This morning I want to talk about thoughts of doubt and discouragement. Thoughts of doubt and discouragement. As I said, it was a crazy, crazy week in our house. I mean, our, our oldest got this, this fever thing, and then I got the fever. And I know you don't really need to know all the details. Like, you probably don't care, and you're going to get grossed out by them. But I like empathy so much that I'm just going to reach to you in this moment. Like, I would wake up in the night every night this week. This is why I'm worshiping down away from everyone this morning, because I don't want you to have this in your life or your home. 
But I would wake up in the night and you could wring like a bathtub of water out of my pillow. Like that's how much I've been sweating. I was expecting a little more empathy. Like the night, yeah. That felt like sympathy. That's what that felt like. I mean, it got to the point where on Thursday, I, and this, I, I just said to Rachel, uh, Pastor Brent, who's our overseer, who's my pastor for many, many years, he used to say to me when he would get sick, he's like, I feel like I need to get saved again after I get sick. Anybody else? It's just like, I feel, I feel far from God. It's like I haven't prayed in days. The only prayer I was praying this week was when I picked up the phone one day to call someone who was going, th- I was in bed to call someone who was going through something way worse than a fever. I mean, I was doing everything I could. I was casting out Wheezy. I was trying everything I could to try and get, I was like, Lord, I believe that you're going to get me up out of this bed. But it just, I was feeling so discouraged. And, and so I got to the place where I, I think on, on Wednesday, I said to Rachel, I'm like, I just need to get to church. I need to find a church. I just need to get into the presence of God because I just feel like I'm so, I feel like I'm so far from God right now. Like I need to get saved again. And so I, I, I actually, before bed this one night, I, I prayed this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I need a Holy Ghost dream tonight. A Holy Ghost dream is when you go to bed feeling like super discouraged, but at some point in the middle of the night, you had some church. And I don't mean like church, I mean church. You understand the difference? Like church is like, I'm talking about like you, you woke up and you feel like you went to the altar. And I believe the Lord must have heard my prayer that night because sometime about 1 a.m., uh, all of a sudden, it was like in my dream, I was in this place before the Lord where all of a sudden just like... Oh, come on, you're a white shirt. This is, this is the whitest shirt. Get off that. Get off that. You can't even follow the beat. I need... Where's Will at? We're gonna lose will. We're gonna lose will if you don't start clapping better than that. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> Give it up for Will on keyboards this morning. Come on, somebody. Just somebody that grew up in a gospel church. Give us a few more, Lord. I thank God for a Holy Ghost dream. I mean, I had a holy, I woke up, I was like, man, I've been with Jesus, and all I did was sleep. Now, I think one of my roles and responsibilities as your pastor is to model next level faith. Um, like the Apostle Paul said this to the church in Corinth, he said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so I think that you should be able to look at my life and see that when pain and doubt and discouragement come, that we're able to move uh, through that and into faith. And at the same time, I don't believe that being a model of next level faith means to tell the church that we never go through doubt and discouragement. No, in fact, you need to know that we walk through, as leaders, doubt and discouragement. And what you need modeled is the ability to begin to process that and still move into some next level faith. And I believe there's an incredible picture of this in the Psalms. In Psalm chapter 77, it's a great Psalm. It's a, it's a potent Psalm. It's one that, that you, you start reading it. It's got some heaviness to it. It's written by a man named Asaph. And Asaph is feeling some doubt and discouragement as he's writing these words. Listen to what he says in Psalm 77. He says, I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God and he will hear me. 
In the day of trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. Listen to this. He says, my soul refuses to be comforted. He's like, in my emotions, I'm like, I don't even want you to help me right now. Like, I don't want your help. I'm so, I'm so discouraged right now, I'd rather you not even try and help me out. He says, when I remember God, I moan. You know that moaning place where it's just like all you can do is just like, I'm aching. When I meditate, my spirit faints. So that part of you that should be alive and full of faith and refreshed, your spirit, part of you that is making you alive, he says, that part of me, down, flat on the ground, fainted. You hold my eyelids open. He says this, I'm so troubled, I can't even speak. No, you want to talk about it. And then in verse 7, he begins to talk about how it's impacting his relationship with God. He says, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up compassion? This is in the Bible This is not a Bible misprint. God allowed Asaph to write down in Scripture, has God forgotten to be gracious? In fact, we believe much more than that. God inspired Asaph to take pen to paper and write down, has God's love ended? And write that down for you and I. Why would God inspire Asaph to write down, has your love ended? Are your promises done? And have you forgotten to be gracious? I believe here's the reason. God is saying to you and I that there are going to be days in our lives where it feels like God's love is not present. There are going to be days in your life where it feels like the promises that he's made, and he cannot lie, but the promises he's made do not feel like promises to you in that moment. There's going to be days where it feels like he's forgotten to be gracious to you. And God wants us to understand that others have been through it before so that you understand it is not a sin for you to walk through your doubt and discouragement. That you understand it's not a sin for you to have those thoughts. Now, it is a sin when we begin to allow those things to become the leading voice in our lives. But those things themselves will come. The Bible's very clear. We will face these things. I remember in my own life when I first began to face doubt and discouragement. I mean, I grew up in a great family. I grew up in a great church. Uh, I loved my church. It was an exciting place. Um, it wasn't quite resonate. We didn't have DJs. I wish we'd had DJs, but it was a great church. And, and I loved God, and I experienced God as a young, as a very young person, as a child. I thank God for many of our kids having that same experience here at Resonate. They just, they, they know God so well, like McCarthy, just like grabbing teeth and fighting the devil. Come on, somebody. It's just glory to God. So my experience was very healthy in church, but at 11 years old, I had my very first encounter with real doubts as to God being who he said he was. Now, when I was 11 years old, my best friend was a guy by the name of Richard. Richard was a refugee from Trinidad, and I don't remember the whole story of why his family fled from Trinidad, but I knew there was some hardship there that they had gotten away from, and they'd come to Canada. And they'd been in Canada for a number of years, and we developed a great relationship. We were best friends. I remember the day at school, Richard came up to me with a sheet of paper, and it was a petition with lots of empty uh, blanks where people could sign their names. And he said, I need you to help me fill out this petition because my family and I are getting deported. 
I was like, okay, man, well, what do we do? We just need names, and then we give that, you know, to someone, and then you don't get deported? Is that what happens? He's like, no, man, like, I, I don't know. We're just trying everything we can, just get some names of people who don't think we should be deported. I remember going to my church. I was walking up to everybody at church. I'm 11 years old. I'm just like, sign this. Richard shouldn't go anywhere. I know you don't know him. Sign the page. I went into my bedroom, and I took out my Sony, my yellow Sony Walkman. How many, come on, how many you're old enough? How many you're old enough? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a good church, Lord. I thank you for the young people. I thank you for the young people. Some of y'all are like discmen. I did not say discmen. Discmen, we're 10 years away from the discmen, people. I am talking about a yellow Sony Walkman that played a tape. Anyways, so I put in my tape, and I put on my worship music. God will make a way. I was like some sort of vineyard thing. I don't remember where there seems to be no way. I'm like, okay, God, you're going to do it. Where there seems to be no way, you're going to make a way. Richard's family's going to be here. Two weeks later, my dad drove me to the Toronto airport, as I said, a permanent goodbye to my best friend. I stood there in the airport, and I wept, and I thought, God, you forgot me. God, your promises aren't, aren't true. You said you're going to make a way where there seems to be, going to be streams in the desert. And in the wasteland, God, you, but you forgot about me today. Asaph, for verses 1 through 9, lays out for all of us what we all feel from time to time. God, did you forget about me? Now, I believe that from this point on, Asaph is going to illustrate for us that though thoughts of doubt and discouragement are okay to have, in fact, God allows Asaph to write them down in his word, those thoughts exist. There's two other types of thoughts that God wants us to have. And so the first type of thought, there's three types of thoughts that we all have in the midst of doubt and discouragement in our lives. And I just want to talk about each of these for just a couple minutes. Number one are the thoughts that are connected to what you're going through. And that's the, like, that's the doubt and discouragement stuff. That's the thoughts that, that just show up whether or not you want them to show up or not. They're just, they're connected to life. Like, for, for example, myself, uh, when I get hungry, I get hangry. Anybody else? I'm hungry. Come on, somebody. I'm, you don't, when, when I'm hungry, my thinking goes sideways. And I don't like people. I don't want to be around anybody. I just, I, all I know is I need to get over to that Dream Team snack bar. Come on, somebody. <coughs> That Rachel and Jamie set up and it's full of all sorts of granola-y stuff. Don't f if I'm on the way to the Dream Team snack bar, you don't want to stop me because my attitude is off. It just, but those thoughts, I didn't welcome them. They just showed up when I was hungry. They were connected to what I was. It's not just bad stuff. There's also thoughts connected that can be good. Like when Rachel holds my hand, I have the thought, I'm the king of the world, right? And so hand-holding, king of the world. They go together. I didn't ask for the king of the world thought. It just showed up when she held my hand. The first type of thinking we have are thoughts that just show up with the event that you're walking through. And this is Asaph in verses one through nine. God, did you forget to be gracious? I, my, my, my spirit is fainted. I don't, my soul, I don't want to talk to anybody. I, 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 I'm just broken. This is what, that's the thoughts that came with what he was going through. But there's a second type of thoughts, and he talks about them in verse number 10. And these are thoughts that are disconnected from what we're going through. He says this in verse 10. He says, 
this is my anguish. So yeah, this is what I'm going through. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. <coughs> I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. So even though I'm not seeing you at this moment, I'm going to remember the stuff that you've done for me in the past, and I'm going to create some whole new thoughts in my mind, disconnected from what I'm going through, connected to what I've seen you do for me in the past. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want to do a repeat of a week one illustration, but I want to add a little bit of extra detail in it, and so I'm going to need some help from some of my friends uh, this morning with this illustration. You remember this illustration from week number one. In week number one, Here's Brad. These, these, are, these guys represent thoughts. The stage represents my mind. And these guys just represent thoughts just kind of roaming around. And these are, these are the type one thoughts. These are the thoughts that just show up whether or not Brad wasn't invited. I, I mean, I love Brad, and you're welcome anytime. The open door policy, right? Don't even need to knock. Just come on in. Uh, but but Br the Brad and Carlos are just the thoughts that show up with life. I didn't invite them. I didn't think them some radically wet come, like they just showed up with life. But then we get to this second type of thoughts, thoughts that are actually me remembering what God has done for me in the past. These thoughts do not show up on their own. You create these thoughts intentionally when you remember what God's done for you in the past. And so this thought right here is, has God forgotten to be gracious? This thought right here is, I'm gonna remember the works of the Lord. And again, these thoughts will not radically appear in your mind. It takes the intentionality to, in the middle of doubt and disappointment, stop and say, I'm going to create a thought built around what God's done for me in the past. Oh, come on. I wish I had a gospel church in here this morning. Oh, my goodness. I'm so much more sarcastic when I don't feel well. Like, I'm just like, I'm filtering so much. And, I, and Rachel's not even here. She is my sarcasm filter. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so we've got two types of thoughts so far. The thoughts that just showed up with life and the thoughts that we created ourselves about what God's done before. But there's one other kind of thought. Uh, Asaph's not done telling us about how he's going to be shifting his thinking. In verse number 12, he says, I will also talk of your deeds. Come on, somebody. There is a third type of thought that you will not start to have until you get around the right people in your life. Come on, we're going to preach on our group's launch Sunday. And so I'm gonna need one last group of guys to come on out here. These guys represent the thoughts that I can't have on my own. So I'm gonna, yeah, you guys look fresh in that peach. <laughs> Salmon. <laughs> so I'm gonna have some thoughts that are just gonna show up in my life, whether I wanted them to or not, but I'm gonna intentionally gonna create some thoughts about what God's done for me in the past, but I'm gonna understand there's another kind of thinking that I can't have in isolation. 
There's a type of thinking that I can only have when I get around some people who've walked through some doubt and discouragement and gotten through to the other side. Because I might not even have dealt with this in the past, but I know some other people have, or if they haven't, their faith is going to elevate mine. And when I get around them, suddenly I start having salmon-colored thinking. I don't know if you've noticed, suddenly the thoughts that just showed up in my life are outnumbered. Now, I'm not saying that your journey through doubt and discouragement should take 12 verses. Sometimes it's going to take days. Sometimes that journey is going to take months. Sometimes that journey is going to take years. But along that journey of next level faith, I am not going to allow the thoughts that showed up on their own to direct my thinking of where I'm going with my life. I'm going to begin to add some thoughts. God, this is what you were to me in the past. God, Rachel and I were, un, were unable to have a child for six years, but I remember you showed up and you gave us a miracle baby, and then you gave us another miracle baby, and then you gave us another miracle baby. God, I'm going to remember that a point in time in our lives, we did not know how we were going to pay the bills, and I quit my job to go into ministry. And God, you began to provide in miraculous ways that we couldn't see. God, I'm going to remember the time when we had a baby in Cologne and we were all freaked out and we got on the phone desperately trying to find some place that we could stay. Oh, and we accidentally phoned up this couple called Troy and Rachel and we went to their house and we spent some time with them and our lives got knit together. Oh, and then we went and started a church together. I don't know if you notice, but when I look back on my life at all the things that I think about God showed up in and God did his best work in, I don't know if you notice, but every one of them started with some hardship. Every one of them started with some doubt. Every one of them started with some discouragement. I'm going to need to have not just the thoughts that showed up, but the thinking of what God's done for me in the past. And then I'm going to need to get around some people that help elevate my thinking. Why? Because my thoughts are down here, but I want my thinking to go up here. And so I need to get around some people. Oh my goodness, give it up for these guys. Thank you, Jesus. This is so great to know that the 9.30 a.m. service wakes up at 10.35. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I knew it would happen. I told you. Thank you, Jesus. Here's, Here's what's amazing about God. God's response to your doubt and discouragement is so gracious. I mean, it is so gracious. You know, you think the one thing that God would be most upset at us for would be doubt and discouragement. I mean, the Bible does say in James, it says if we're going to pray and ask God for wisdom, we should pray and not doubt because the one that doubts is like a, a wave. It's just tossed by a wave. And so, no, we need to, we need to pray. And so the Bible does talk about but of course, that, that doubt is not, doubt should not be a center point of our thinking as a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. But I'm not saying that doubt doesn't show up, and I don't think the Bible is either. 
The Bible's just saying that we learn to move through it. That we learn to, to develop a way to change our thinking in the midst of it. And the response of God <coughs> in the middle of doubt is far gracious than I think that we would ever, ever even expect. In, in Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter, we read of this incredible story where John the Baptist is in prison. And as he's in prison, he's having some doubt and discouragement. Life's prisons will do that to you. What amazes me a lot about the Bible is that the people that God chose to carry the message of salvation to the planet were not, were not people that had a blind faith. They were people that experienced real doubts. On the other side of the cross, the disciples hanging out in a room with the door locked, they're doubting what God's going to do. Here, John the Baptist, sent to prepare the way of the Lord and declare that Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. That man is in prison, and prison is causing him to have some real doubts. One of the greatest proofs to me of Christianity is that the men and women that God chose to bring the word of salvation to the planet were men and women who actually had to walk through a little bit of something to get to their faith. Come on, somebody, if you got to walk through something to get to your faith, then you know that you saw a real God show up and meet you in the midst. It wasn't just blind faith. No, you met me in the place of my prison. You met me in the place of my brokenness. That I will anchor my life on. Come on, somebody. 930 is killing it already. You're on it now. You're on it. If we keep rolling, if y'all just stay for the 1115, I'm telling you, when we hit those dance breaks, You'll be standing up and dancing. I'm telling you, you're, just, you're getting freer the more we go. Now, John the Baptist is in prison, and we know he's experiencing doubt. And we know he's experiencing doubt because he sends this question with his disciples. He sends them to ask Jesus this question. Are you the one that's to come, or should we expect another? <coughs> John's saying, I'm not even sure, Jesus, that you're who you said you are. Now, we know that John didn't have these thoughts of doubt before. Previously, in John chapter 1, John is standing with a few of his guys, and he looks and he sees Jesus. There's this lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So John went from no doubt to having some doubt. He sends them to Jesus and asks them this question, and Jesus says, well, go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Isn't it interesting that Jesus does not send back to John the answer, John, you're eventually going to get out of prison and I'm going to get you through this. That's just a little bit of a theological challenge for you right there. Uh, that, that's not the answer he sends back. You, and the answer he sends back to John, uh, don't keep doubting I'm who I said I am. In the midst of your prison, there's not even a promise whether you're going to get out of this one. But, but don't, don't forget I'm who I said I am. People are getting healed and lives are being restored. So John, John, this is the message that I want you to hear, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Now Jesus starts talking about John, and, and he says to the crowd, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? I think Jesus wanted his disciples to hear not only about what Jesus had said about himself, but now what he begins to say about John. He said, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? Speaking of John, a prophet? Yeah, and I tell you more than a prophet. This is he of whom it's written, behold, I'll send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. In other words, John, I know you're in the midst of doubt, 
But who are you, John? You're a prophet, and you're more than a prophet. You knew about me before I even showed up. John, there's a calling on your life that's so great. God, God chose you to be the one to go before me. So John, even though I know you're stuck in the middle of doubt and discouragement, come on, let me remind you, John, that there's a calling on your life. You see, when God sees doubt and discouragement in your heart, he does not look at you and send back the message, hey, John, shame on you for doubting. He doesn't look at you and say, hey, shame on you for having doubt and discouragement in your heart today. No, he says, let me remind you of who I am and let me remind you of my calling on your life so that your thinking can begin to move through the doubt and the discouragement that I'm not with you and my promises have ended. And so I believe there's two types of people in the room this morning as we close together. I believe maybe there's two types of people in the room this morning and maybe you're here and and you'd be a part of the group that you've seen God move in the past. And as you're in the midst of some doubt and discouragement, maybe you're on a high on a mountain, but maybe today the start of 2019 hasn't been easy or something in 2018 is still lingering along. And today is just a simple reminder for you to begin to add to those thoughts that just showed up, the thoughts of who God has been for you in the past, because you've seen God show up in the past and you can count on him. Or maybe as we launch into small groups this morning, it's just a reminder that you need to have some people in your life that can actually begin to help you change your thinking and give you some of the salmon-colored thoughts. But then maybe there's other people in the room this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and all you know is that you've done enough life without him to know before you leave the place this morning, you, you want to make an invitation for him to come into your life. And so I'm going to ask everyone in the room to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And for that one or those ones who will be in the place this morning, and that's you, you've done a life life without Jesus to know that you don't want to go through life with nothing but your own thoughts that showed up with what life brought. You need God's thoughts. And today you want to begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you in the room today, you say, yeah, I want to invite God into my life today. If that's you in the room, and that's either a first-time decision or, or you're far from God today and you know you need to make that decision, would you just slip your hand up? I'm just going to pray for you in a moment. We won't center you out or embarrass you in any way. I just want to include you in a closing prayer today as you say, yeah, pastor, that's me. I've done enough life without God. And today I choose. I choose. I'm going to add, I'm going to put God in the top seat of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Look around for just one more moment. As the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. So that you raise your hand or not, come on, church, let's pray this prayer with those who are making that decision today. Come on, let's say this together. Dear Jesus, I give you my life, my full surrender. I choose to follow you. I believe you died and rose again so I could be forgiven. So in this moment, I receive your forgiveness. I don't just want my thoughts anymore. I want to be able to think about you healing me, delivering me, bringing me through. So I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, DJ!